You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast 432, Affinity Photo, the Sega Game Gear Micro, UFOs, and a photo that will brick your phone. Well, only on Android. And it is time for Tech Fan. I'm Tim Robertson, and that's David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. A bit tired, yeah. but, you know, I was just explaining to you that these days kind of all blur together. You know, you wake up in the morning, you think, do I have to work today? Do I not work today? Yeah, it's what difficult. day is it? Yeah. <laughs> we had a bit of that, that as well. That can yeah. be an issue. For and the then kids, I, yeah. with no school, the, there's no weekends. It's Everything is the same. Yeah, well, especially now that the home learning thing is over, it's my well for my kids the um, the certainly Charlotte's school is back on Monday, but only for people who want to send their kids in, and she's not going in, so she's been homeschooling. She'll continue to homeschool, but even there, you kind of you know again you you get up in the morning. Oh, does she have the call this morning? Does she have to do work today or not? You kind of. Uh, and then the other thing as well is that the days blur together, but the weeks are just flying by now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like last last two weeks particularly, just like you can't believe how quickly they've gone. Um, yeah. You know, which is uh, is slightly disconcerting, really. It can be, no question. We got a lot of stuff to cover this week. Um, we got some feedback. We're going to start there, uh, and it's all about the uh, Affinity Photo. Mm-hmm. Remember, I talked about uh, I did buy on some recommendations in Infinity Photo, and I still haven't had a chance to really play a whole lot with it. Uh, and I keep going still between that and um, Pixelmator. Yeah, I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses. Neither, in my humble opinion, is a replacement for Photoshop. But it's going to have to be because I'm not going to subscribe to uh, Adobe's very expensive software. And just to, for my comfort. Because everything I'm doing with these programs, they're more than, and and what I was doing with Photoshop by extension, um, was not heavy lifting. You know, I I didn't need to have Photoshop to do that. But my comfort level with Photoshop for from using it for 20 years is very ingrained. You know, yeah. I know how to drag a photo to Photoshop, do a quick color correction. Nope, I need a little bit more. I know right where to go. Click this little bit. Just bit, bit. Perfect. Boom. Export. Yeah. I'm done. <clears throat> I've, you know, I've done that for so many years that it's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Well, those muscle memories don't work <laughs> in infinity yeah. photo um and to a lesser well, degree pixelmator yeah. Yeah. well yeah. pixelmator well, Pix- i think they're a little bit closer but you but yeah the problem with pixelmator now is that it's i'm just looking at it i've not looked at it recently um it's kind of confusing now they have three different programs they yeah, got pixelmator for ios yep. pixelmator photo for ipad and then pixelmator pro which is I, uh, this looks like the mac okay yeah all right, it wasn't again. It's not really clear from their website which is which, for uh, which is for which platform, which is kind of confusing. Well, so what's the difference true, between Pixelmator and Pixelmator Photo? Well, 
nothing really, but no. they're trying to uh, give you a little bit more, I think, with the iPad version over mm-hmm. uh, the iPhone version because you get a lot more screen real estate. Right. So they're treating it more like a professional type of application rather than a little bit scaled down simply because of screen real estate reasons, I think, uh, the iPhone version. And then, of course, the Mac version is everything. And Yeah. Um, but I, I think that the iPad and the Mac versions are very, very close together. I don't know if there's any significant okay. differences. Uh, but do you think that's a better way to go than calling it the same product, but having, in essence, three different products with the same name for three different platforms? Well, I kind I was of just, like, yeah. I, 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 I was, like separating those. Yeah, no, I understand what they've done that. I was just a bit confused because I wasn't aware of this, and I don't think their website does a really great job of explaining that no um, i agree with you yeah but um okay I, and yep. apparently i have pixelmator photo i don't remember buying it but um it's come up on my you probably had pixelmator and then um with an update you got the new version and they changed the name uh no i've got both of them here on my ipad so really um hmm. i don't know <laughs> again this because i'm pretty sure they retired the, the, an older version so right. I don't know uh, if well, they probably did, not. yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to play around with this because I haven't used this for ages. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I'm liking both of them. Mm-hmm. But I am, if nothing else, a creature of habit. So it's there's a learning curve, uh, unlearning curve maybe. That might be a little bit more appropriate. I have yeah. to unlearn how to do some of the things that I was used to doing. Um, but anyways, um, Donnie Yankelo sent in, uh, I think it was on Twitter. He says, after teaching Photoshop for six years and using it for at least 10 prior, there was a learning curve for me switching to uh, Affinity uh, when it came out. But once you go all in and develop a workflow, you'll get used to it. And I like it. It also is a fantastic mm-hmm. extension for Apple Photos with much better editing tools for that. Uh, I heard the, about the extension. I haven't played with it yet, but I don't, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I opened up uh, Apple's Photos app to actually edit a photo. I mean, occasionally if I'm in a photo and I'm tagging a face or something like that, I might do a quick color correction because it's obvious. It's like, ah, I could just fix that real quick. Yeah. Or scaling something down or cropping something because uh, I've got my thumb up in the upper left hand corner so I can just kind of crop that out. Yeah. But other than that, I don't use Photos that app, Apple's Photos, to do photo editing. It's to me, it's more of a repository uh, and a library, if you will, for my photos than anything else. Yeah. That's all I use it for, and it's so god awful slow. Even on my brand new Mac with an SSD, yeah, it's slow. I mean, mm-hmm. it's painfully. I thought when they went from the old Photos app, what was that called, iPhoto? Yeah, to the new one. And it did a good job of bringing all the, you know, um, the photo albums and all that stuff in, the, f- the faces and all that. It, it did a good job. Uh, but I've got a huge photo library, and it's just, it is just god-awful slow. It's like it's it has to load every single thumbnail in my entire library when I first launched the app or something. So I, I suspect there's two elements there. First of all, they ported it over from the iOS Photos app. That's where it came from. Yeah. So you probably lost some 
performance with however they did that. I don't think they did a ground up rewrite. I think they they put well, yeah because that was an app built for an ARM processor and now we're yeah. on a pen, uh, or a uh, an Intel chip. Well, not so, only that, it's it's not built for a desktop OS. It's built for a right. a, a single tasking OS. Really, I know yes. iOS is multitasking, but in terms of the user not really. presentation, it presents it is, single but tasking. It really isn't. Yeah. yeah, and then the second thing is that it's hooked into iCloud, so um, anytime no, I've got you that turned hook, off, you've got it. Yeah, well, the code's still there, and mm-hmm. I, th- I my suspicion is that with a lot of these apps, because they are designed to talk to a network. There's an awful lot of check the network, check the network, check the network in the code. And I think that slows these apps down, even if you've got it turned off. Um, and um, I've definitely seen, because I, you know, one of the perils of suffering on a poor internet connection, as I do on a regular basis, is you sometimes see this where um, I can be using Word on a, on a Windows PC. And because it's, tr- it's talking to an, um, a file that's also synced to OneDrive, um, if it if it suffers slow performance on OneDrive, even if the file is local, all of a sudden you start seeing breaks and jerks and spinning wheels and that sort of thing. And it's because it's talking to the network and letting things time out before it comes back to you. Um, and you notice that on slow internet connection. So I suspect one of the reasons that um, Photos for Mac is not as performant as it could be is because of some of the networking code in it. Mm-hmm. This is my theory. I have no way of verifying that, but you know the it, end result is the same. We it have an app just that's as slow. good to me as as any other theory. Yeah, exactly. The point is, the thing is not the thing is slow. Photo apps have become slower and slower. I mean, when I remember when um, I was a big fan of the original Aperture. I, in fact, I went to one of the last um, Apple shows that they did in the UK, and that's where they'd launched. They, they just launched Aperture, so I got to see it firsthand before it was generally available. Um, back on the G5 Power Max, and and it was an amazing program. It really was conceptually. Yep. Um, but a lot of people complained even back then that it was slow. And then Lightroom came out from Adobe not long afterwards, and they everyone a lot of people switched to Lightroom for two reasons. First of all, it was more closely integrated into Photoshop, obviously. But secondly, yep. because it was it was much faster than. Um, than Aperture was. And over time, Lightroom has become slower and slower and slower. And at the same time, and we're talking about a 10, 12-year span at this point, at the same time, our computers have become faster and faster and faster, and yet the apps have become slower. And you, you do have to think, why is that? Yeah. Uh, neglect is yeah. what it is. Yeah. So if anybody out there knows a better way to store... And, and look at and tagging I think is a big deal now because if you've got a huge library like I do I, I gotta be able to search I gotta be able to I wanna see all the pictures of Cole I wanna see all of Rachel's photos from you know uh, 2010 I've got yeah I've got I, a... I can do that with iPhoto or yeah. photos but I, I don't know if there's any other apps that will import that metadata from photos hmm. I, I don't know and, I, because I, I don't want to start from scratch. That's the thing. Yeah. It's, that would be counterproductive. And I don't have three months to waste. I don't I don't I don't know about importing over, but I'll tell you, and this isn't this is an answer I'm not comfortable with. But one thing that's very good at all of that with colossal numbers of photos is Google Photo. Yeah, I'm not gonna use it. <laughs> exactly. That was that was why it's a difficult answer. But I tell you Well, well number one ha- with because of the size of my library, it would cost me an arm and a leg to use it. Well, you get quite a lot. How big is your library? You get quite a lot of storage on there. Yeah. 
Um, but the I thing can't ab- tell you because that drive is disconnected right now. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, is that I, I basically have Google Photos set up as a, to back up my my photo library from my iCloud. You know, so in two places I've got it. Um, and the, and they're lower quality on Google Photo and the free tip. But I tell you, the searching is incredible. It will. You teach it a name for somebody using a photo, and mm-hmm. um, it knows every single photo they're in. I mean, obviously, then stealing all your data, but um, the search technology is really good. And you can type dog, and it will find every single photo in your library that has a dog in it. It's incredible. It really is. So you got to be careful about tagging your ex-wife in photos. Yeah, I haven't scanned any of those in. My kids, you know, my my daughter, who's uh, 10 now, only just recently found out I was previously married. Her mind was blown. Really? Yeah. My kids know because of Rachel, obviously. Yeah, Yeah. but uh, it's like a secret past of my kids. Yeah, they were stunned. Well, I mean, you know... And then you have to explain to them, well, Madonna got really popular at, at one point, and and it was just too much for the marriage. You couldn't cope with her success. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then she met uh, Sean Penn, and it just went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Madonna, Madonna turned up at a, uh, at a uh, demonstration in London yesterday. Does it, does it bother you that she speaks with a, a, a faux English accent? Well, it doesn't really, I don't lose any sleep over it. It's kind of strange. Um, yeah. it's, it's hard. The I problem mean, she's from Detroit. Yeah. Um, the, the problem is it's hard to tell whether she's really kind of picking up English inflection. She's been here quite a while now or whether it is kind of some adoption, you know? Oh no, it's an adoption. There's no question. <laughs> I listen. I, I've heard her talking. I'm like, no, that's cause I can do some accents. I don't generally do them here on the show because I don't yeah. want to offend anybody, but I can do accents. Um, Pretty well. Some of them are extremely well. Like I can do a uh, an Indian accent. Very yeah, don't. Well. I'm not. <laughs> don't do um, that. But you know, I, so I could tell when someone's consciously doing it, and when yeah. they're, it's just that they've picked up the local lingo. Yeah, you kind of get the impression with the Madonna that if you gave her a really sharp kick to the knee, that the swear yeah. words would come out would sound like Detroit. Yes, 100% agree. Uh, Andy Holt sent me a message over on Facebook, and uh, he's uh, from Alberta, Canada, and he writes, Hey, Tim, listening to your uh, latest podcast this morning, I'm glad to hear you're adopting Infinity Photo. I have ditched Adobe and now run all three Infinity apps. Infinity Publisher will now open IDML files so you can convert RU Legacy InDesign files. So good. I'm happy my Mac aren't my Macs aren't bloated with Adobe apps, and I don't have to pay through the nose. Sorry to hear your Mac, iMac woes. Uh, Podcast four thirty sounds like a nightmare. Take care. Stay safe. So I, this is the only Affinity app that I'm running right now. I don't have a need for uh, Affinity Publisher, which is basically InDesign yeah. uh, page layout, and I uh, I have zero. I did at one point. I remember uh, using InDesign quite a bit back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, I remember we did a review of InDesign at my Mac, and it, it, I don't remember where I talked about InDesign. Um, back when I was much more heavily in the Mac community than now, because there really yeah. isn't a Mac community now. Um, not not to the extent that it used to be, anyways. Yeah. Um, 
but I remember talking about it somewhere. I don't know. And I get this email. Oh no, I remember what it was now. I, I had sent an email to, um, this comic book creator that I really enjoyed named Dwayne McDuffie. And, uh, he had created, uh, the whole buzz about this thing that he created at, it was called milestone comics. They started their own kind of publisher right. and they focused on black superheroes. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because the stories are fantastic. He created this uh, comic book that I really enjoyed called Icon. And it was basically the Superman story, except <clears throat> this this character landed in the United States. It did a quick scan of the population because it wanted to adopt the alien to look like the indigenous people. Yeah. And he had landed in the South during slavery. And so his computers, whatever made him a black man and, you know, being in the South in the, you know, early 1800s probably was potentially a bad choice. Yeah. You know, and that's where the story develops. And then it jumps ahead to modern times. And that's, that's the comic book. He has Superman type powers. And, uh, it was a fascinating, um, comic i really enjoyed it it was just so well written it felt real true true to uh as life as you can get with a comic book superhero type of thing yeah i mean it wasn't sandman don't get me wrong you know but it was extremely well done and i liked it so i remember at one point and this was years after i think the comic book had uh milestone had gone away or dc bought it or whatever had happened and i reached out to Dwayne mcduffie for whatever reason. And he saw my signature, you know, made on a Mac. Remember that used to be a thing. Yeah. And he had some questions about, uh, Adobe InDesign that he always wanted to try it. Uh, but it was pretty expensive. Uh, did I have any experience, stuff like that? And I wrote back, I said, uh, I, I do. Um, but not to the extent that would probably be helpful to you. And I said, you know, I'm actually looking for a reviewer to review that software. And so one of my favorite comic book creators wrote a review for my Mac at the time. That's cool. <laughs> for yeah. that program, because he wanted cool. that program. Yeah. Uh, so that is the extent, Andy, of my InDesign public thing. I mean, like I said, I use it a little bit, mostly to support it at the time because I was in IT. Uh, and you have to know the programs if you're going to support them. Um, with a bunch of end users, but I, I, I have zero need for InDesign right now. So yeah. the Infinity uh, sister application, if you will, or not sister, but competitor publisher doesn't do anything for me. But the fact that it does open uh, InDesign files is a big deal. Yeah. Though I, I suppose it, opening your old files is one thing. The, the difficulty you're going to have if you're exchanging files with, with somebody if you're collaborating, um, this is the advantage that Adobe uh, Creative Cloud has is that everything is up in the cloud and anyone who has a subscription, you can work with them or, you know, in the cloud. Yeah, the collaboration online. is a lot, is so integrated into what Adobe is doing now. And I yeah. do appreciate that, but. Meh. Yeah, well, this is the problem is that's the, ta- that's their target market. This is professional houses who are all using these applications and want to work right. together i guess the the difficulty you're going to have with some of that publisher in particular is that um if you want to exchange your files with somebody else who's using indesign 
Um, I wonder what the round tripping is like. That's always the problem with these programs is yeah. they might support the file format, so it doesn't mean the files actually work identically on two different programs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember back in the day we would have the same problems with uh, different software that if it was created outside and they were using something else and we'd import it, there was always a day's worth of just kind of fixing things so yeah. it works in the new. That was always kind of a, I got an itch, dog. Yeah? Okay. Let, um, let me know when you're done over there. <laughs> no respect. No respect. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, all, of, that's always the problem with Office files is that, I mean, even today, Word is pretty good at moving between the PC and the Mac. Uh, you probably yeah. don't have any problems, but um, Excel, there are major chunks of Excel on, the, on Windows that the Mac version doesn't support in terms of um, Visual Basic and things like that. Yeah, it's the same old story. Yeah. And PowerPoint is the same as well. And um, certainly my company, we've never been able to switch to Macs for that reason because we have a lot of people who do stuff in PowerPoint Exchange. But that's clients. why the the Adobe Cloud apps are gaining such popularity over the yeah. last decade and that they're platform agnostic. It doesn't care. Well, not only that, from a business point of view, it's much easier to pay revenue costs every month, every month per user for the application yeah. to get everything rather than have to manage individual licenses. So it kind of works from a business perspective as well. The problem is us poor um, consumers here on the end are kind of got, got left behind. So speaking of photos, you pointed at a story that is kind of funny. There's a photo that if you're in an, uh, certain Android phones, if you set it as your wallpaper, it pretty yeah. much bricks your phone. Yeah. What's up with that? It's a boot loop. So, um, yeah, it's, it, the photo is quite innocuous either. It's kind of one of these um, you know, yeah. landscape shots. It's got a dramatic sunset, clouds, and a lake, and that sort it's of a thing. Pretty, it's a pretty photo. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's interesting. This is a BBC story here, and they say um, dozens of Android phones owners are reporting that a picture featuring a lake is crashing their handsets with users' wallpaper. Several brands seem to be affected, including Samsung, Google's Pixel, uh, the bug makes the screen turn off and on continuously. In some cases, a factory reset required. And then this is innocuous line. The BBC does not recommend trying it out. <laughs> yeah. um, so apparently, so the color also, profile sounds yeah, like it's it's screwing up. The color space that's in this yeah. photo is apparently upsetting something in, in Android. Uh, and um, yeah, so uh, basically what happens is, is, is the, it, it's exposing a bug in the color renderer that's causing a boot, a hard crash in a boot. Um, I just thought it was funny because, uh, you know, one of the one of the advantages that we often get from uh, touted as Apple is it's like a more closed ecosystem. But occasionally Apple's had bugs like this and people have gone, oh, see, Android, if you had Android, you wouldn't have this sort of problem. And this goes to show that Android has exactly the same issue sometimes. It's a weird bug, and I'm sure it'll be fixed. But the problem Android users are going to have is that um, pushing out bug fixes and updates is a bit of a hairy mess over on the Android side. Many yep. um, many uh, people who have phones won't get system updates. Um, I don't, it's, it's more convoluted now because Google has recognized this and has tried to break out stuff into the Google Play Store to update parts of the OS. I don't know whether this this would fall into that or not, but so yeah, sometimes you can, you know, you can have a problem like this, and uh, it won't be patched well, look, for some time because your manufacturer doesn't get around to updating the patches. Roll them. I always phone. thought that was the biggest drawback to Android is that Google creates this platform, they give it to the handheld 
makers, the, the cell phone makers themselves, and they have free reign to to load it up and change as much as they want. And then the carriers themselves, they also do the same thing. So you can get a phone that's Android from Sony, and it's got a whole bunch of Sony crap on it, but then you boot it up and it has this all this crap from Verizon on it as well. And there's no future updates to it because either the cell phone maker or uh, Sony has decided, no, they're not going to do that. Um, and they make it extremely difficult and it's just a cluster. It's, it's exactly what the problem was with windows back in the day. And and it's like Google never figured that out. Now that they're trying to take a little bit more control of that, because Apple remember told every cell phone carrier out there, you are not touching anything software wise, nothing. Yeah. Uh, you are not putting any restrictions on updates. You're not, they have absolutely zero control or influence over the OS, period. Yeah. Um, but, of course, Google went the opposite direction. Oh, open's better. No, open isn't always better. Some things is better, some things is worse. And in cell phones, yeah. I think open is the wrong tactic to take for exactly the same reasons that people can't use a picture as their desktop. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it's ridiculous, but... It is what it is at this point. I don't know if Google's ever really going to get a handle on it. I uh, think that once yeah. the cat's out of the bag, I think it's almost too late. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm sure they'll they'll take there'll be a creeping death aspect to this. That over time they'll try and drag more and more stuff back, um, and some manufacturers will decide. I mean, let's face it: you, if you if you decide you don't want Google Play services, you can do whatever the hell you want because then it's open it's an open source and you can customize it where you want. A lot of the Chinese ones don't have Google play services on for that reason. So, yes. and um, Samsung has been basically trying to copy Android and make their own OS. Um, hasn't really worked out well for them so far, Yeah. but the phones that they actually sell are loaded up with a whole bunch of crap that the average user doesn't want. It's, it's interesting actually, because there are an awful lot of people who, uh, unlike us, aren't really tech fans. They're not really into technology, and as far as they're concerned, there is they they don't they don't really think of the phones as Google. I've I've spoken several people to say, oh no, I don't I don't like uh, I don't like Apple, but I like Samsung, um, yeah. and say I can I only know how to do a Samsung, um, right. and as far as they're concerned, that is the only Android phone there is is Samsung. You know, well, as someone who looks at both Google, uh, Android Auto, and Apple CarPlay. Um, it's not even close. Android Auto is a terrible interface in a car. Yeah, it's just it's just awful. Mm-hmm. And in, and on some Android phones, you actually have to download Android Auto to it. And on other ones, it already has it on it. Um, it's kludgy. It it's just awful. And then you look at the elegance of Apple CarPlay, and you're like, hey, man, this is this really. And it's not because I'm some kind of an Apple fanboy. I was for a long time, but I'm, I don't think I really am anymore. Um, it's just a better solution. It yeah. just is. It's like they created Apple CarPlay knowing what the experience should be like, and they've been refining it, especially with the last uh, iOS update, over time to make it better. And yeah. it, it's actually better than it was when it was released. It works. It works extremely well. And it, it, it's it's just so intuitive and elegant. And yeah. Android Auto is 100% a 
the opposite. When it's the, kludgy. When, yeah, when all this madness is over and you can actually go out again, um, I'm seriously considering taking my Mazda into uh, into a dealer and getting the upgrade for the stereo so that it uses CarPlay. Oh, apparently God, it's I just a, apparently That's not even it's just a thought. A, yeah, it's just a, it's a software update, and then they need to change the USB sockets in the in the car. Do it. Um, it's worth it. Yeah, so. it's way worth it. Um, I tell you what's not worth it. You're a we're the same age, so we we remember the Nintendo Sega video game wars from the uh, early and well, I guess mid to late nineties. Yeah, basically, and, Nintendo and Sega were kind of at it until yeah. Sony came along with PlayStation and ate, ate both of their lunches. Yeah, pretty much. Well, <laughs> with yes the, and no. I well, mean, yeah, well, Nintendo yeah, with still the, PS, the Segas. Yeah, with with the PS One, basically, um, they, Sony came out of nowhere and dominated the console space. Yes. Um, Nintendo has obviously maintained the course and has come back substantially, um, but uh, Sega fell by the wayside as a yeah, casualty it, of that. Yeah, well... Nobody can dispute that when it came to handheld, even to this day, uh, it's all Nintendo. You know, yeah. when the Game Boy came out and the Game Boy Color, those were huge hits. Well, Sony tried to compete with Nintendo in that as well, and they came out with the Sega Game Gear. Now, I actually have an original Sega Game Gear. Um, it's huge. Yeah, it's I a, had. Yeah, I had one back in the day as well. Yeah, yeah so they're I huge. remember it. Well. They're really yeah. big, really clumsy. It was not comfortable in your hand, um, but it did have a better screen, and it yeah. really was unlike the Game Boy. It really did feel like you had the same power in your hand as your Genesis. Yeah, you know, as it the, was as the console. I I remember it was because for for a while um, I mentioned my first wife for a while. <laughs> When we were together, we had the Game Gear, and that was our only gaming console. We actually uh-huh. used it instead of having something on the TV. Yep. Um, and our, the Game Gear was kind of, it was midway between the Master System and the Genesis. It wasn't quite as good as the Genesis, but it didn't really matter. But it really was a matter. lot closer than, yeah. Oh, it was know, certainly Yeah, the, it was nothing like Game a Game Boy. Boy. Yeah, a Game Boy, always, great as the games were, you always felt like you were getting a, a you know, a... a reduced experience with sure. with, uh, with the Game Gear. It felt like you actually had a TV console in your hand. It was pretty cool. The yeah. only problem oh, I remember, was... It, I remember yeah. Sonic was really good on the Game Gear. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. Well, that's it. The, the, I think that was part of the advantage is that most of the games that came out for the Game Gear were able to give a very, very console-like experience, even if they were yeah. slightly cut down versus the Mega Drive. I, I would say they're, they're probably 90% of what the console version was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the, yeah, I had some great games on there. The principal problem with the thing was that the, the battery life was only about two oh. hours. On, yeah, it was atrocious. On, on th- was it six? Was it six double A's or three? Yeah, six, I can't remember. No, I six, think it was six double A's. And, yeah, and and double <laughs> A's were not cheap at the time. No, no, absolutely not. And so you ended up being plugged into the wall. At that point, it was kind of why are you yeah, doing this? What's what's the point? You no, know, yeah. Um, but. It was a moderate success, if that. Yeah. And it, we never got a version two of it. Um, and it kind of went away. It's it's one of those retro video game consoles that people generally don't talk a whole lot about. It pops up every now and then on on YouTube videos and stuff like that. And I've, I still have mine. It's, it's packed away in some box somewhere. Um, but I have no... And I've got maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 games for it. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I picked mine up used years ago. 
Um, and it did not weather well uh, time. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't hold up. Uh, regardless, there's, you know, there's modders out there that replace the screen. You get a much better screen and all that. So uh, a week ago, a couple weeks ago now, Sony makes, or uh, Sega makes this announcement that they're going to have some big news. And, of course, the speculation starts, oh, my God, they're going to jump back into the home market. And um, what are they going to do? What is it? Well, what it is is they come out with not one but four new Game Gears. Except they're not quite Game Gears. They are, but they're kind of not. They're called the Game Gear Micro. And I don't think they took into consideration... um, People like you and I that are older, you you literally one of the accessories for this is a are you ready for this a magnifying glass yeah and the reason is it's got it's so stupid it's got a one point one five inch display yep that's pretty small uh, 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 what you can buy these there's there's four of them there's a black one. Uh, the and each one of these comes with four games uh, uh, pre-installed. So the black one comes with like you know uh, Sonic Outrun, Puyo Puyo Two. I don't know what that is. And Royal Stone. I don't know what that is. Royal Stone's a Japanese role-playing game. Uh, the blue one comes with Sonic Chaos, Gunstar Heroes. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, each one comes with a, a different set of games, right. and you can buy a four-pack for two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. Well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play slight. I'm lifting up my finger here, slight devil's advocate. First of all, these are there's no prospects at the moment of these being launched in the West. These are for the Japanese market. Um, I don't know how popular the Game Gear was in the Japanese market, but I'm presuming from the way they're doing this, it was more popular maybe than it was in the West. Um, tiny tiny consoles are a thing in Japan. Yeah, and these are that when there was like keyring consoles, these are fifty dollars each. In when you can't trans, trans, transform the money, but they're, but they're five thousand yen, which is you know yeah, you, you can convert it to Western dollars, but but really you need to think about how much that is it is as a value actually in Japan. Um, again, we don't know the answer to that. I don't know what the average Japanese salary is. Um, and again, the decision to have four games and have a collector's pack and everything like that, I think is a kind of a Japanese market decision and the and the the magnifying glass is is basically you if you buy all four you get that for free and the reason they've included that is because that actually was an accessory for the original Game Boy so they've they've kind of recreated the whole experience I think they're going for some sort of Japanese retro vibe with these and I would imagine if these were ever released in the west that they would change their marketing strategy somewhat because to me you know, I'd drop fifty dollars on one of these for the for the nostalgia value, but I'd expect it to play all Game Gear games or more Game Gear games, not just four. And I certainly would go and buy another one to play different games. Right. Um, you know, it's look, I it's kind of cool sometimes to have a little tiny gaming system that you can carry with you and pick up and play whenever you want. Um, I've done that before. It's called your uh, iPhone. Well, yeah, but the problem is you can't get some of these games on your iPhone, and you're getting the the actual physical controls. Even though I don't know how well this is going to play on such a tiny little... I mean, it really is... 
Um, it really is it's micro. That, I mean, it is micro. It, it truly is micro. It, that's going to compromise the experience somewhat. But having said that, these games mainly were, you know, a four-way stick and a button, and they weren't really much more than that. And I mean, think about how small the screen is, and then how small Sonic is going to be on that screen. Yeah. Oh, oh don't get me wrong. Good I mean, it Lord. is. It is tiny. It's going to be, you know, about the screen. If the screen is sharp enough, it might be okay. I don't know. Um, the problem with Sonic in particular, there's quite a lot going on in that game. You have to, you're not really just focusing on where Sonic is and what he's doing. You have to be looking around at what's going on. There's quite a lot of hidden stuff, um, and you also need to be able to anticipate what's coming quite towards you to be able to react to it. I don't know how well that's going to play. Um, really, but the reality is, that anybody who's truly nostalgic for Game Gear games, pretty much any of the retro consoles that you can buy, the kind of the third-party ones, will run Game Gear as well as NES and um, Master System and mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing as well. Yeah, and and you'll be able to stick an SD card in there with all of those ROMs on. So yep. actually, this isn't really aimed at people who want to play access these old games because there's hundreds of different ways of doing that nowadays uh, i think I mean, it I've is aimed every, at, uh, say, i've got every one of these games on my uh retro pie yeah uh i think i think this really is aimed at um people who really uh, are very nostalgic for the physical system um and I, I suspect there's a whole um japanese vibe to this that we're just not getting here i th- I, 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 I can see that point but yeah you know, just from a consumer standpoint, this seems stupid. Uh, did I? I know I mentioned on Geeks Pub that I got a RetroPie Four. Yeah. Did I actually have it up and running? Uh, I don't think you did. No. Yeah, I've got it up and running now. Um, one of the big reasons I wanted to go with the Pi Four was obviously it's more powerful and blah blah blah. But on the Pi Threes and and subsequently the ones before that, you couldn't run most N64 games comfortably, there would be a lot of stutter. And PS1 games or Dreamcast games, forget about it. I mean, it just, they were pretty much unplayable. It would load, but you really couldn't do anything with them. Yeah. Uh, The new Pi 4 can. And Mm -hmm. um, I played some, uh, some games that I tried, like Jet Set Radio, Jet Pack Mm -hmm. Radio. I forget what it's called now. Uh, It was a Dreamcast game. It was unplayable before. Um, and I know what that game plays like because I had it on the Xbox One, not the Dreamcast back in the day. And very, very cartoony look to it. Um, kind of like Crackdown 3, you know what I mean? That kind of yeah. stylized, not really realistic looking characters, but the, the buildings looked real and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, couldn't play it before. And I, and I always liked that game and it's very fast paced and um, jet set radio, jet pack radio. I cannot... Remember I which think one Jet Set Radio sounds right to that me. It sounds right to yeah. me too. Yeah, um, very smooth, completely playable. It feels like I was playing it on my Xbox. Yeah. So I'm so far I'm happy with it. I did buy a USB C switch, um, an inline switch. So all it is is an on off button yeah. that you plug your USB C power into, and then it goes into the. Uh, the unit itself it's kind of clever i, I kind of like it it's so much better than having to physically unplug my USB-C plug every time i want to turn it off yeah um, i'm still amazed that there is no on off button on a raspberry pi 
There's none. Well, where would you put it? There's not much room on there. You got to do something. <laughs> it's stupid the way it is. It's a computer. Um, it's know. you know, computers barely come with off-on buttons anymore. Yeah. You know, it's certainly weird. handheld computers and all of that. Um, last thing I want to talk about. We never touched on this. Uh, what a month ago? Two months ago when this kind of came out. There was a suspicion when this came out that actually um, there was the the U- U.S. Uh, federal government was trying to kind of forget about coronavirus. Look at this. Look at this. Look, look, look. Yeah, squirrel. Look, look, UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. The Pentagon officially released some UFO videos. Yeah. And I, I hate the term UFO, but it is accurate. It's an unidentified well, look, they, flying they, object. <laughs> Yeah, although well, they're the trying to change the name been... now. Yeah, unidentified aerial phenomena is what the military use because they've never met an acronym they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, as well, the problem is in the popular in in popular mindset, UFO means a, a an alien. alien spaceship. Yeah, they rather than being a, a purely a flying object that has been unidentified, meaning we don't know what it is. Everyone assumes it's a spaceship. Yep. So um, I guess that's why they're trying to use a different um, a different acronym. But having said that, <laughs> the heads the headlines on every single story about this was uh, Navy releases UFO videos. <laughs> so, so yeah, they kind of failed on the messaging there. They they absolutely did. Um, what yeah. surprised me is that over the last month or so, some of these Navy pilots uh, have actually come out and start because most of these guys are retired now um have come out and recounted some of these stories a couple of which are related to the videos that you see um other ones do not and to a man i i've yet to see one of these videos where they come across as some kind of a kook some kind of an attention seeking yeah right whatever you say buddy type of people they don't come across like that at all and they're not they're not saying well i think it was an alien they're recounting their experiences, which are kind of universal in that I've never seen anything that, you know, uh, that could do this. It moved in ways that defies logic for us. Uh, we're flying some of the most sophisticated aircraft that the military has ever created, and we couldn't match speeds with these things. They were changing directions, yeah. hairpin turn, that you can't do with a terrestrial aircraft without, you know, smashing to a bloody pulp, the pilot from just inertia alone. Um, Or let alone the technology that will let you go from uh, due south to to due west. And literally, there's no turning radius. It just is going the opposite direction now. Yeah, just a right angle, yeah. Just a right angle, just gone. Um, And... Look, I think if you're into tech the way we are and you're into geek stuff the way we are, I mean, we've we've got a show called Geeks Pub. Um, There's a part of us that want to believe in aliens and uh, different life. I personally do. I think the universe is way too big for us to be it. Yeah. I don't want to believe in the aliens. I want to believe in the aliens technology. Screw the aliens. I just want to play with their toys. Right. <laughs> but there's also, you know, you know uh, the, the school of thought that maybe these aren't aliens. Maybe these are uh, 
human aircraft, just not from now. Um, and when I say not from now, I don't necessarily mean from the future. It could be from the past. Uh, who knows? We don't know. But I still find it extremely interesting anytime something like this is released. Um, yeah, I'm not I, big you know into what? conspiracy Look. theories. I don't think Area yeah. 51 is holding any aliens. I, I don't think most of that stuff holds much water once you start scrutinizing yeah. it. Um, and the people that are really into it, for the most part, are people that I probably wouldn't want to be hanging out with. Um, but that being said, I think there's a lot more to this universe than we're... I mean, in the last hundred years, <laughs> science has changed so much, and our understanding of the universe has changed so much, that what what does the next hundred years bring? So that brings you back to well, these videos, and yeah. what what are we really looking at? I know. I mean, I, I've got a very open mind on these, but um, my I personally don't jump to alien spacecraft or time travelers or something like that. I think before you go there, you've got to try and you've got to try and discount uh, other phenomena. Um, Reflection and, and make sure and, that, that yeah, what I get it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I think the problem is, is that uh, the human mind is very susceptible to seeing things and then I, the way we interpret the world is basically as a is a facsimile of reality that our brains construct um and it can be fooled and it's very easy we've all had experiences you ever have that thing where you're kind of you're maybe somewhere at night you're walking down a street or something like and you see something out the corner of your eye and you go and look at it you, you turn and look at it and for a split second there's a face looking at you or something weird and you kind of get that chill, that chill down your 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 back immediately. You think, you know, this this is almost, almost like the fight or flight response kicks up. It's like something really strange is going on. And then you look a bit harder and you realise it's just like, a, you know, a, the the way the the branches are arranged in a tree or something like that. We've all had that sort of experience where you have a start, you think you're seeing something really spectacularly strange, and then you realise that it's not there. And I, and, and I think we have to consider that human element in a lot of these part of the you know from a technology point of view part of the things that really disappoints me about these videos is they will say keep we're going flying for a second i gotta most... go check something david yeah sure Just keep going for a second all right they will say we're flying the most advanced aircraft our military can give us with the most advanced sensors that we have and yet every time you see these camera videos from uh, from um, military aircraft they look like ass they look like the sort of thing that you would have to work pretty hard on a computer to simulate now because they're so low fidelity. They are grainy. They are often black and white. The objects that they're looking at are kind of blurry. Um, they look like they're being shot with a really bad TV camera. And you think, well, hang on a minute. How come if um, the guys producing Top Gun or Mission Impossible can get a camera up in the sky that can give you really amazing looking clarity and uh, video footage of what's going on for a stunt sequence in a movie. How come the military does not really have proper high definition camera equipment that can actually take pictures of these where you can recognize it's something more than a, a black blob or a white blob on a gray screen? Um, the, the difficulty is, is that you look at the footage and it, it doesn't really match up in terms of what the pilots say they saw 
Now, I'm not saying that the pilots are lying. What I'm saying is, is that the descriptions they give about the way these things move and the way they behave are not evidenced by the video because these videos just look terrible. Yeah. And they don't really tell the story of what the pilot is trying to say. And you just have to wonder. I've, I remember thinking back in the... Um, even back when we started with the Gulf War in 1991 and, you know, they, the generals used to show us these videos of... of the you know the guidance bombs hit or the guidance right. missiles hitting a particular target. I remember thinking at the time and saying, you know, how come these things look so bad? Yeah, why do they look so grainy and horrible? And and why aren't they? Why don't they look like they look in the movies? You know, and um, it appears some of these videos are released are, are only for the last couple of years. It appears military technology has not moved on to the high definition camera. I could take better pictures of these things with an iPhone than the apparently multi-million-dollar targeting pod on an F-18 could. Well, and I don't and that's understand because that. they're they're not looking at because the F-18 Sidewinder missile isn't looking at a physical picture to determine what something is the way you our eyeball is. It's looking at a target. It's looking for heat signature. It's looking for movement. It's not looking for high definition video. It doesn't need high definition video to do its job. So if it's not but broke, in that case, why yeah. fix it? Well, don't release these videos then because they well, don't tell I, us anything. They didn't take the video with the with the intention of releasing them. You know, that's not. That's. I, I tell you what you should do is it's kind of a rabbit hole, um, but look up. Um, Commander David Fravor, F-R-A-V-O-R, um, pilot. One of these things was he's got a story uh, during a training exercise um, of San Diego um, mm-hmm. that's kind of fascinating, and he doesn't come across as some kind of a kooky weirdo. Um, I, I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying. My, my point was really that um, they release these videos. Um, and they would be a lot more compelling if the pictures looked a lot better. <laughs> and sure. it's like every single every single picture the military ever shows us looks like this. It's a great, right? Grainy, but I've already told you why. Lobby they mess. They don't no, have I understand the that, that, but you know, yeah. there, there's no need. But then, to put but then that they say, "But we, we're That's flying the most advanced." They, they, yeah, but they're flying. They, then they say, "But we're flying the most advanced aircraft and and sensors that that the military can buy." And you think, well, <laughs> the military's getting ripped off because these things look like garbage. Now I understand that scene in Top Gun where uh, right. when um, at the beginning when <laughs> when they're flying inverted with the MIG, right? Yeah, and Goose takes a picture with a Polaroid camera. Now mm. I understand why that camera in the cockpit is because he knew <laughs> the, the stuff they really fly with doesn't count for nothing. No, because so, it's not you know, designed for that. Here's what I'm telling you. Military flyers of the world, yes? Don't bring rely your on sensor pods. The ne- yeah, exactly. Next time you're flying, bring your iPhone, and when you see a spacecraft or some sort of unidentified tic-tac flying through the sky, yeah, let's get some iPhone footage. You know, 4K. Yeah, but the problem is this, this, yeah. this video that they're showing is from five miles away. Your your iPhone isn't going to record that aircraft from five miles away. Yeah, well, you know what the answer to that is? Get closer. <laughs> well, they try. That's the thing. In fact, that's why yeah, you should you should do the David Fravor thing. I know. Um, no, I'm looking at the story of. Uh, I'm reading the David Fravor thing now, um, and yeah, fifty thousand feet to a hundred feet in in seconds, which is is obviously not possible. But the problem is the 
the footage doesn't bear out what they're telling us. The footage is a blobby dot on a grey screen. And um, that disappoints me. And if they really want to crack this, you know what, they think we need... We need the... But who, uh, do, who, who really wants military to practice? Military changes the, mission. The, the, well, yeah, that's going to happen. The military isn't designed yeah. to... Well, investigate ufos that's not what they do their no, mission is to kill the enemy all of but all of these all of these uh videos are from incursions into navy or u.s uh, air force training ranges that's, that's right where, they come where from, usually who the human population is things. next to yeah. nothing yeah exactly but you'd think the military might want to know who's flying or buzzing their tra- training ranges so maybe they should look into it a little bit more well, and that, that's assuming that you then equipped for millions and millions and millions of dollars each aircraft with cameras that are better than what you know yeah. we have on yeah, our cell well, phones. So why why on the off well, chance why not that they do may that? catch something? Because you know what the military because it's not their mission. The that's military not what they spends do. millions and well, the million the military spends millions and millions of dollars on all sorts of things that aren't really a mission. Yeah, the military the military is a jobs program more than anything else it's about keeping mm. people employed not so really so set up a side thing you know you know what you could drop drop they, they they spend trillions of dollars on things that really are a waste of time and they also spend trillions of dollars on overpaying for wrenches and t-shirts and all these other things as well is if there were it if there was an an interest in doing it they could find the money and they could make it happen and well, but that's, it's not, not the military that makes those decisions. Think... It's the civilian oversight, and they're not going to spend money. Uh, you Senators aren't going to say, "Hey, could, I want could... to, I want to take taxpayer dollars and you could call. search for UFOs." That that's going to go over real well. Yeah, you um, know what? You can, you can you can dress it up with a military purpose if you want to, and if you if you say we're going to build that pod in your state, Senator, can we count on your support? Then guess what? That's how it works. Okay, so you're you're on military oversight and you're on the appropriations committee. And you're in this big meeting and you got all these yep. big guys in there and your idea is, hey guys, let's let's go look for UFOs. That's gonna go over extremely well. Nope. No, I'm I would I, I would not present it like that. I would say here's a new high capability um imaging pod that we can use to replace this program this program this program you know those u2s we still fly that are 100 years old we don't need those anymore because we can send up planes with this that's the way you do it this is the way it's done right and then you look for ufos with it Uh, i think that uh i don't know i don't know what these things are they do fascinate me it's it's my inner geek coming out obviously and I start thinking, well, and we've discussed before that if I took my iPad back 100 years, it's magic. Uh, if I took it back 50 years, yeah. it's not magic, but they don't know how it's worked. They, there's no concept on how this thing is. They, they understand processors and memory and all that, but the, the evolution would seem way too fast to them. But 100 years ago, it's magic. Uh, 200 years yeah. ago, you get burned at the stake. Well, yeah, look, let's, let's face it. But yeah, the first first powered flight was in 1908. Yeah. Yeah, so we are 
112 years after that, yeah, yeah and we have military jets Spa- and me complaining that they can't then. take good enough pictures. We have spaceships. We have spaceships, We've been, we've been yeah. on the moon. I mean, it's come very fast. Yeah. And so but what I was leading to... He, going back to my previous point, yeah, going back to my previous point, though, do you remember when we first started going to space... Apart uh-huh. from the film photos, everything also looked like those military fo- military images. It was grainy. It was grey. It was all that. NASA's got that down now. If NASA can put decent cameras on the International Space Station and a Dragon spacecraft, yeah, I reckon we have the technology to put one on an F-18. Yeah, but the problem is... There, I'm not going to let this go. This is going to be my new mission now. Yeah, my... but you're talking about two different missions. You're talking about military, no, I, and you're no. talking about NASA. Those are... NASA's whole thing I'm is to look I'm talking about my stuff. mission. Well, you go My mission is to get better cameras in military aircraft, and I'm so not going to rest What I was going for in my going back 100 years... Yes. Um, look at... Uh, here's, here's one of the issues. People become experts in certain fields, and then facts change and they're not acknowledged. People are trying to protect their turf. And that's going on right now. It's, it's kind of a big deal in this um, group of people when it comes to Egyptologists. So they, they know yeah. that the pyramids were built about four and a half to 5,000 years ago um, using techniques that would take a long, long time to redevelop in the Western world. And yet those techniques where they were employed when the Great Pyramids were built seems to have disappeared. And they thought the Sphinx the Sphinx was about the same age. And it turns out, no, not so much. So now they're doing carbon dating on the Sphinx with much more accurate technology. And it looks like the evidence is all pointing to the Sphinx is about um, twice as old as the pyramids. So we're closer now to when the pyramids were built than the pyramids are when the Sphinx was built. And it's a much more sophisticated structure. So that's led some people to think that maybe human civilizations, advanced human civilizations, been around a lot longer than we think it is and thinks it has been. And the reason we don't have evidence of those is extinction level events most likely super volcanoes um, that more so than an asteroid hitting will completely wipe everything away uh, other than the most robust structures and even those over time are going to decay and that maybe we like to think of ourselves as the pinnacle of human technology but maybe we're not maybe we are still just look at the last hundred years compared to 10,000 years ago. I mean, that's just a blink of an eye. It's nothing. What did they have yep. 10,000 years ago? Were they as advanced as we are today, but cataclysmic super volcanoes or uh, asteroids hitting the earth or something completely wiped out those civilizations after a thousand years, pretty much all evidence is gone. Just look at what's happening right now in two months that people have not been going out. Wildlife is reinvading big cities you're seeing deer in the middle of new york again um yeah what happens after a thousand years three thousand years to these different cities and they probably didn't build the same way we do 
their technology was different. Doesn't mean it's any less or sophisticated than what we have. It might have been more sophisticated. Maybe it was more organic rather than silicone based. Yeah. All of that is just completely gone. So maybe some well, of the stuff we're the, seeing yeah. is from the other thing technology is, yeah. we just don't understand. Yeah, the other thing as well is that is that the the world we have today coincided with mass industrialization. Yeah, so we had a lot of scientific progress, and then mm-hmm. that was used by people to mass produce things. Yes. It, it's possible to conceptualize, um, particularly when populations were smaller. Yeah, that there were there were places that that were it would have been a different level of, of civilization and advance, but it's possible to speculate that they would have been much smaller, but, but as capable, perhaps on a lower scale because they didn't have mass manufacturing, but they were able to produce, produce amazing things with knowledge that would be lost if that particular civilization or, or even that, you know, just the city was destroyed or people or maybe, were destroyed. Or maybe instead or, of looking towards industrialization, they looked through organics where they were, manipulating DNA to create technology to do very similar things that we yeah. do, like computing and uh, a World Wide Web, where it was more organic-based rather than the technology that we use today, that we can't even comprehend what that is yeah. because we never went down that evolutionary tree when it comes to science. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to conceptualize that for us because we, we just tend to think, well, that would have left some evidence. But... There's lots of unexplored places around the world, and as I said, many of these... If something like that happened in the past, it could have been much, much smaller and can, you know, been in a much smaller space and, and consequently had been lost over time. Just well, hell, if, if they were a thousand miles away event, particularly from... Particularly if they, didn't, if they yeah. didn't have writing. Right. Well, they did have writing, but yeah, how would it Yeah, they didn't have writing, survive? and so... It, no, but... Yeah, or maybe maybe they plenty of cultures had an oral tradition for a long time. So you could have had a group of super scientists or um, that sort of thing where they just didn't write anything down. It was all in their heads, and they passed it on to students, and they they're, passed they're it tracing on to students back and so um, the spoken word um, two hundred thousand years now. Uh, they've shown writing from, uh, I think it's 6,000 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our, the history of this planet, we go from dinosaurs to humans. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of space that we just don't understand. And a lot of time. Like, a lot of time. A lot of time. And, yeah. and time destroys evidence. It just does. Yeah. Gravity, nature, uh, cataclysmic events can literally wipe out everything. And, you know, if an advanced civilization was wiped out, how long does some of that stuff last? Especially if it was, we don't even recognize that we're looking at something that is from a, a different type of technology than what we're used to. We don't even recognize that, oh, well, that's what the dolphins are doing. We have no idea. And we think we do, and that's the problem. But look how far we've just come in in 200 years and where we're going to be 200 years from now if we don't wipe ourselves out. You know, It could be yeah. something that an advanced civilization back in the day was hit with a plague, everybody died, and over time all of their stuff is just gone. It's just, I mean, think about everything, think about your house and everything that's in it. 
If you left your house and no one did anything with that house, what do you think that's going to look like in a thousand years from now? Nothing survives. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this thing. We're looking. We're already running this experiment. Look at Pripyat near um, near the uh, Chernobyl station. Yeah, that was that people just up to left, and yeah. in thirty five years, it's decaying to the point that you can see that a lot of those structures aren't going to survive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, Con- concrete and steel don't do not last. That's just in thirty five years. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, in a hundred years, two hundred years. 500 years, 1,000 years, you'll be able to find evidence of that stuff there if nobody does anything with it. But it will be archaeological evidence, and right. that gets buried over time. Give it 10,000 years, you're probably never going to see it again. No, it's gone. You know, it's buried. It's deep. It's buried deep. And the, the problem, like, this, is, this, this is one of the things I've always struggled to understand with the archaeology, is you go in a cave and you find bone fragments and bits of tools and stuff like that, and you extrapolate from that what a... What a community a civilization a uh, functional unit of animals or people or whatever was doing at that time but then i always think okay but maybe that was just that one guy maybe that one guy had decided he'd make uh, a nice piece of jewelry for his wife for her birthday and then they died and it ended up there and and then somebody digs it up 2000 years later and they go oh this must have been a king because right. of look at the quality of instead <laughs> of just crazy think, larry from maybe, that lived in a maybe, freaking cave <laughs> exactly yeah maybe that guy who just knew a bit about metallurgy and figured it out for himself and it doesn't mean everyone was doing that right. yeah i always wonder that really is that, is that you know archaeology is a series of inspired guesses um exactly. and it's certainly not not a certain and it's inspired by, by what our societies do now. And I think that's the mistake yeah. that archaeologists use is that they base our own experiences on and extrapolations on what that was doing. So getting back a little yeah. bit before we wrap up here, uh, these videos, I don't necessarily think it could. It, it has to be aliens. It, it could be human technology that humans simply left this planet a long, long time ago. They did develop spacecraft or colonizations, and they left because there was a cataclysmic event they knew about, and they and now they're just kind of sending probes back to hey, what's going on back on Earth? Oh, look, Homo sapiens developed. That's cool. You know, we we just yeah. it, it could be. I, I think that we're ignorant when it comes to so much of history and what's out there that we keep extrapolating. On the on the science fiction aspects of it, when yeah, you know, how much of science fiction that was written back in the '30s actually came true? Now, did it come true because we just developed it, or did it come true because people read that science fiction and said, "Oh, I want to create that"? You know, yep. when you Star Trek is a perfect example of that. You know, yep. things were created that oh look, they were showing this back in the Star Trek series. Well, yeah, but. Is that because Star Trek inspired someone to create the cell phone or video chat? Or did it just naturally come about and, you know, the the writers and the creators and the prop people? It's just but coincidence. This goes back, goes back to my mission, Tim, right? If we get decent pictures of these objects yeah, from the military, it will inspire people to go out and recreate them. And then the flying car will become a reality. Well, we already have the flying car. You know, car. it makes sense. The, the problem is still people. Flying cars are that's not a difficult technology. We've had that for a while. We could we could have flying cars. People could fly to 
school and to work. And the problem is the idiots driving it. We're too stupid as a species. You, no, you think I a think car that's... crash is bad now? Let one land on your freaking house. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say it wouldn't happen. It would totally happen. Yeah, so there'd be a, there'd be a side market in surface-to-air missiles to shoot down the crashing cars before they hit you. Yeah. So we'll wrap this up saying, you know, we we realize there's still a lot of bad things going on right now in the world, especially here in North America, uh, in America yeah. in particular, and that still a lot of protests going on. Um, yeah. And it's not that we don't care. To, we just don't we, really we just want don't to, need add to, to add to right. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We can be, I'm very we can passionate be about different. some of it, but yeah, it just doesn't, I, I don't want to spend every day thinking about it. And uh, this is nice refuse. <laughs> you know how I said it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, never mind. Ref- All right. Yeah, you were well, going to say refuge, but yeah. then you turned it to rubbish because what yes. we talked about is rubbish. Very <laughs> much. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We really do appreciate you guys listening. We love your feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Of course, you can always go to techfanpodcast or mymac.com. And leave a comment. You can find us on Twitter the way Andy did. Or no, he was on Facebook. Uh, You can find us on Twitter the way Donnie did. Um, And uh, we will read your feedback here. Feedback is important. We really do thrive on it. So hit us up. Give us your thoughts. Doesn't have to be anything we talked about. If you've got something else that you want to chat about, let us know. If you want to come on the show sometime, we've been recording uh, pretty consistently now for a couple months on Sundays in the morning. We're usually starting at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Sunday. So if you want to come on this show or possibly Geeks Pub, let us know. We'd, we'd love to get some different people on here. We've had Donnie. We've had Owen. Um, I think that's the only guest we've had recently. Um, but we, we'd love to get some more people on the show and uh, share your thoughts and opinions. All you need is a microphone, a decent microphone. And a pair of headphones and the ability to chat online. Yep. So no no 56K modem users, sorry. <laughs> um, but hit us up. Let us know what your thoughts are. And we'll see you in uh, two weeks here on Tech Fan. Next week, Geeks Pub. See you then, David. Bye. <laughs>